One of the things I had wanted to ask you was about the value of receiving a doctorate, especially for somebody who's so learned and accomplished, exposed, lauded as you are. But you spoke about it when you said, you know, Rhodes is one of those victories of our heritage. But a thought struck me, and it was also along the theme of what I wanted to talk to you about, transformation. And I'm wondering, as South Africans, do you think that we have the same transformative vision? If you look at an institution like Rhodes and some of the challenges that it's faced of late to do with the name and, of course, issues around the curriculum, do you think we have the same transformative vision as South Africans? The answer is no. Um, the constitution is meant to be a summation of that goal. And by goal, I mean the idealized society that would best serve the interest of most of us. So we have talked too glibly at high level about what transformation should be. I don't think we have taken sufficient time to think through its elements, but even more importantly, the how. And you know, Sepiso, I'm sure you'll get there and ask me about that. Let me not uh, overshoot. Africans by and large, are known for their ability to create idealized outcomes. And they're very short on detail and short on practical plans to achieve those outcomes. You're not going to find a debate about whether or not we ought to have set quality education. And you're going to look at the actual steps we take. We fall hopelessly short. So the general vision everybody mouths the struts and how to hold it up there where it belongs are often absent. Now, when they're speaking about your various accomplishments, um, one of the things that you also have been lauded for is your creativity, your ingenuity in your judgments, and property rights is one of those that has been highlighted. And I'm glad we're talking about this particular thing because it's, at, it's come to the fore, the issue of property rights in South Africa. And I, I find myself wondering, what is it about our constitutional transformative agenda that keeps us going back to the same questions over and over again? Because if you look at the current discourse, it's very clear that something is not quite right, even in the spirit of the constitution that we have at the moment. Yeah, that is the fashionable topic of the day, isn't it? And I thought you would probably go there. And we should make time to debate and talk about it. I've been quite on it for some time, but I've written quite a lot on it also, if you did some research. You see, it is correct that land dispossession was the primal and original sin, if you like, um, because it was more than impoverishing. It left all of us basically rudderless, in many, many ways, and swept away other things besides the economic worth and value of land. But it's totally lazy, not if you're serious about land justice, to think through the details of the how. My big complaint is there's no point wasting time in debating whether or not we ought to find a land regime that is just and equitable in this country. And says, yes, it's obvious. Has there been historical injustice, yes. Should we restore the situation by taking steps that would let in many, many landless people within that particular space? The answer is yes. But so that doesn't get us anywhere, right? We have to say how. We have to say which 
are the low-lying fruit? Which are the things that we can do quickly in order to reduce the impact of past dispossession and landlessness? Which are the difficult parts of it? And how do we navigate, for instance, developed land? And how do we deal with undeveloped land? What about unoccupied land? What about absentee landlords? What about land owned by the state? Or land owned by whatever their color? Farmers who are not working the land. So it's a complicated issue. It requires an incredible amount of weightlifting. You heard me this evening. Slogans are slogans. They're short, lazy um, summations of something much more important. But we Africans have to learn. We need to dig a furrow to get the water there and so the water is available all the time to the villagers at the place. That's what they do in Holland. That's what they do in Germany. That's what they do wherever else in the world. We talk about it. And at my ripe age, I get very impatient. So I haven't given you details of my response to the land question, but the takeaway is this. We're being lazy in not examining the how in great detail. Let me give you an example. Part of rural poverty is because mainly African women have no proper access to land. Now, that's a matter in our hands. That's land that has no racial connotations to it, so to speak. It can be done. Sites can be surveyed. We can spend money and borrow it or whatever else to be a good loan and put infrastructure and allow women in rural areas left there for all the wrong reasons to thrive. Now, that's an example of low-lying fruit. So we need a nuanced, a thoughtful, and a very honest approach to ways in which to achieve land justice. You talk about low-hanging fruit. South Africa and its constitution has been used as an example, especially if you look at African countries, um, in transitional democracies. But you have individuals now who have approached not only the U.S., but petitioning the UN because of some of those, what I see as low-hanging fruit, affirmative action, which you've also written about, um, what we're talking about now, land redistribution and restitution. What then do we say about the conversation that we're having now in terms of honesty? And how do we reach consensus? Because there are individuals who feel that our constitution right now is affecting what they see as reverse discrimination. If you mean the constitution permits restitution in the way that would, might, might amount to discrimination, that's what you're asking me? My answer is a clear no. Let's get the basics quickly. We've had historical injustice around a number of issues. Land is but one, but an important one. Around access to education, access to health care, access to skills, access to um, proper living areas, apartheid geography I'm talking about. So... All of those things require systematic plans to reverse them. That's the point I'm making. And if there's a complaint that scaling people who the law in the past excluded them is discrimination, frankly, that's nonsense because our constitution makes it plain that the state has a duty to do it. Um, it, is, it is a transformative duty that the state has. And it ought not, and it is not, and you have written judgments on it. You can look at them. It is totally legitimate to take steps that would advance equality in society. If you spend time to level out stairs, to give access to people who may be disabled in some way, and you spend money on it, 
it's nonsensical to suggest that um, it's discrimination against those who are able-bodied. If you spend money to build more sports fields in, in rural areas because they need the most, it's nonsensical to suggest that there is discrimination against those who might not be rural. So societies, and we ought to embrace this and make it part of our ethos, we must allow steps that would correct past exclusions. And we should not yield on that question. And I think our jurisprudence in the country is quite clear on it. What defeats that particular transformative drive is when we become inefficient. We become lazy around details and implementation. When we eviscerate public funds and their massive leakages, part of the problem is not just making us poorer, it is undermining our own transformative plans. And that's the moral worth of our transformative plans. Because people sit down and say, what is all this stuff? BEE, is it a reason or platform to steal? So we, we, we have to keep the honor around those objectives. And I talked a little about that tonight. It's very important. If, if you have a project to bring health care to a particular area and you still have the money, you don't only deny people access, but you de-gut, you disembowel the moral foundation of what you are doing. So you get my point, is that even the transformative act, even the act of trying to equalize society, equalize opportunities, has a moral foundation, has an ethical foundation. You step it away, you're not going to find many supporters around it. I'm glad you spoke about jurisprudence because judges themselves are members of South African society. So what should be their judicative role now in transformative constitution at this very point in democratic South Africa? As you know, I've written a lot about that. The injunction of our constitution, you know, our constitution was not just a document to record state power. It was intended to be part of the revolution. It was intended to transform and change our lives. And properly understood and used, judges would give effect the transformative mission of the constitution. They should and ought to. I mean, no judges should tolerate oppression against women, for instance. It's unthinkable. No judge could try and exclude people for their sexual preferences. Equally, forget about race, about gender, about the more obvious grounds and lines of fault lines of society. So judges ought to act fairly consistently with the broad design of the Constitution. And if we did that, and I'm not getting the Section 25 debate yet, but if we did that, much of what we are searching for will be found. Is it about institutional change or is it about political change? Or conversely, are there areas in which the Constitution is silent in order for us to not only affect some of these goals. You know, Tsepiso, about three years ago, I was a guest of uh, one of our leading research institutes, Mapungube, and I wrote a paper there. If you find time, just Google it and look for it. And in it, I spent time thinking through what I see the, to be the four big defects of the Constitution. Lionized as it is, it has structural defects. And I run through them, well, not run, in some detail I deal with them. For instance, in, in that paper, I talk about how we unwittingly created an imperial president. And we ended up with a, how we created powerful political parties and in many ways left them as laws unto themselves from time to time. Because all power, all democratic power is channeled through the parties. And we have a president who has enormous powers. And when I said it then, everybody thought I was talking about Jacob Zuma, nonsense. I was talking about the 
structural, the architectural defect in the Constitution was every time you concentrate power, you're inviting abuse. And all power ought to be transparent, to be capable of policing, or to be capable of exacting accountability. It's important because when human beings concentrate power, haven't we seen in the last 10 years, they abuse it. So for our own sake, not even these political, maybe these political players may be long gone out and dead and buried, but for our own sake, and at, at some other time I do give lectures at constitutional law structures, where other countries have dispersed power in a way that ensures at least some of these things to be achieved. We wanted concentration because we wanted to drive transformation. And what did we get? Heightened levels of abuse of power and sometimes corruption in governance. Okay. So we have to think through those defects and actually make time to debate afresh, not just land. It's very important. Let's find the how about the land. But let's find the how about many other things. How do we make Baragwanath work for people of Soweto? And what are the detailed plans and things we need to make it work? And how do you properly fund it? What are the things that we must let go and things that we must keep? We don't get into the detailed exercise. And quite often, we become enemies unto ourselves. How do you grow roads and make it special and better and freed from Cecil John Rhodes' colonial project? We are our own liberators. You know where I come from. And we have to think through those things that will free us. And we're in charge. We're ruling this country. And we must find identify, talk less, identify things that actually will make a difference in our lives and that we owe to ourselves. We get diverted quite often, endless and over emotional debates around racism, for instance. Hateful, we should tackle it head on, but damn, it's one aspect of a much larger problem. Um, so we reduce the laziness and increase, um, by laziness I mean unwillingness to engage with the details that, that would, would bring actual change. Uh, we, we, never, we never engage that. Whether we're talking water, how do we deal with our rivers? What, what is the pro- how do we deal with our dams? How do, <clears throat> we really have to get out. How do we deal with rubble and debt? What are the practical steps to move society forward on those issues? Every one of those questions here and elsewhere in Africa is begging for answers. And, um, and something that the older I become, the more desperate I become around, around that issue. I'm not saying everything has gone wrong, far from it. In the communication space, the cultural space, we've done well. The spaces where we've done incredibly well. In the judiciary, you heard me make the claim publicly. The much vaunted, excellent judiciary today is like 80% black. So if you go to our course, if you go and look who does what, it's us. It's almost, we almost miss to acknowledge and recognize that. So we're not incapable of excellence, of hard work, of good outcomes. But we have to make that more pervasive, letting more poor people, vulnerable people in, take seriously the tasks we have to alter lives for real. And you and me and others have actually escaped from the poverty, you know, from the poverty tank. We like escaped slaves. But damn, we have to do much, much, much more. Destroy the slave colony. Uh, and that comes out of, you know, people who oppressed us in the past. They're masters of detail, if you can watch. That's why they're such good oppressors. They tend to pay real serious attention to, how do I get Sepiso out of this? 
How do I keep it out? How do I? And, and what are the moving parts and what are the steel parts? We have to go there. We have to go and work hard and understand the details in the change dynamic.